0: This podcast episode is sponsored by me. I'm Ethan Freckleton, a mindset coach for author entrepreneurs. I help author entrepreneurs to achieve a sustainable, flexible, profitable business without all the burnout and overwhelm. Learn more by visiting ethanfreckleton.com forward slash mindset. In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time. To start honoring my yes, and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter, finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Adge is one of those creative whirlwinds that wears all sorts of labels with a high degree of success and accolades. Yet, as she confided to me, quote, I denied calling myself a writer for a long time, unquote. Despite growing up with creative, independent parents, she somehow attached a stigma to the profession of writing, and it took her several years to fully embrace her creative identity. Well, now she's embraced that identity, capital W writer, with a track record of success with broadcast and cable television. She's more than that, of course, and recently has come to terms with the idea of being fearless in everything she does. Well, Ash, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Ethan.
0: It's my pleasure. And and for people who may not know who you are, this is my one canned question, by the way. Um, (laughs) I don't have a long list. This is it. This is the one. So big, big, big pressure here. Like for people who may not know who you are, what would you like to share about yourself?
1: So I like to describe myself as a writer, director, producer, performer, and part-time rapper because i'm from brooklyn and uh a lot of people from brooklyn are known uh to be rappers
0: (laughs) yeah so is that like (laughs) mandatory to to check that one off
1: i feel like it is i think it's part of my like brooklyn uh green card or or something (laughs) but 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 real talk i actually used to uh be in a rap group back in the days and had like a little short Solo thing. So I and I, uh, close friends, uh, when they call my voicemail, I still have a rap for them. So I, I like to include it in my, um, my credentials. <laughs> <to say.
0: laughs> hey, that, and, that's great.
1: Yeah. And then I'm also the creator and founder of Tickles.tv and The Rich Idea, which is a, Platform that coaches uh, creators that are looking to turn their ideas into TV shows.
0: Right. And, okay, so you just gave me this litany of cool stuff. <laughs> and so I'm getting the sense that you like to create stuff <laughs> well, and not be boxed in. Exactly! I'm getting that because I'm, and it's all tied together with this idea of the rich idea, right? Because you clearly have a lot of ideas and some track record of getting those out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I do love to create stuff. I I think the 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 perfect existence is to just like never have to worry about money and just create things that improve humanity.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And is it possible to still create stuff that benefits humanity and get paid?
1: I believe so. I that's the whole purpose. And do know that in me saying that I want to be very clear that those things are very synergistic to me. I think when people mm. often say those things, they assume that um, people who don't want to uh, worry about money uh, don't want to care about money mm. and therefore don't want to have to deal with money. And I'm not saying that, you know, at all. Right. Um, yeah. So, but, but I even appreciate you highlighting that for anybody who might be confused.
0: Yeah. And, or, you know, it's just a chance to lean in and own that, you know what, like stuff I'm doing helps people. That's cool. That's right. That's Yeah. Right. And so like, okay. So if I look in at this list of stuff you do and you led with writer and this is the fearless storyteller. So maybe you could share like, why writing? Why is that important to you? or how did that become important to you
1: yeah uh so the funny thing is that for a very long time i denied calling myself a writer Mm. and which is why i think i really resonated with your title the fearless storyteller because i want to say this past journey of of several several years maybe even decades really has been about um leaning into my creativity to be to become that fearless storyteller because mm-hmm. for so long i denied calling myself uh, a writer because of all of these um kind of stigmas going back to money right not money mm-hmm. to- writer, um, you know, the Mm. struggling writer. And the funny and ironic thing is, is that I was raised by two independent artists as parents. Mm. My dad was a (laughs) Jamaican immigrant storyteller who came to uh, the the U.S. on a Martha Graham dance scholarship turned uh, performance arts storyteller. And then my mom, uh, is a filmmaker, and I grew up in Brooklyn in Bed Stuy, uh, back when it was called Do or Die Bed <laughs> and I uh, was, you know, just in in this household full of creativity, full of two parents who were committed to telling their stories and getting it out in the world because they didn't see it in mainstream media. They didn't see stories that they wanted to uh, mm. see or that represented them and their communities. And so they invested to to do that. But for some reason, for a long time, I think I had associated that with like struggle, like, oh my God, it just seems so hard. Mm. Um, instead of actually uh, leaning into something that I believe I was meant to be, which was a writer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, this is all resonating with me a lot, right? Like yeah. my mom's very creative and likes painting and did all sorts of art stuff when I was growing up. And my dad, you know, even he was always into music and had different stints of being a professional musician and, and yeah, struggle is a key word. So how did we, how did we, how did you pick up like, this vibe of struggle was it, and I'm asking this because I'm a parent, I have two kids, right. And I want to know, how do I, (laughs) how do I not have my little girl grow up to feel that what I'm doing is a struggle?
1: You know, I, I thought, well, in, in all fairness, I think the world has changed a bit where people are more so embracing their creative passion. Mm. Right. I think that um, uh, that when uh, at least I could say I was coming up (laughs) that it was still this this kind of stigma around being creative and that for many at least a a lot of my friends parents had them on this trajectory of like you know uh you want to get a good job that pays you and has insurance and health benefits and uh a doctor a lawyer uh you know something like that not that there's anything wrong with that Mm -hmm. um but but i went to a performing arts school for uh, both junior high and high school, and so I'm saying that because a lot of my friends' parents at the time, after you know, going from high school to college, was like, "Okay, it's time to get serious now," where my parents said, "Nope, I believe if you can tell stories, you can do anything." Mm. And I ended up going to Carnegie Mellon for theater and, um, you know, had a, had a very rigorous training and throughout the journey, I look back and I, and I can say, oh my God, I'm so glad that my parents kept me on that journey. I actually just had a recent reunion Mm. with my classmates and not to say that, I mean, of course there's tons of classmates who went out and continue to do the acting thing, but everyone was successful or is successful in their, in their own right. Like, uh, from someone who started a, um, a liquor company with, uh, Steven Sodenberg and runs the marketing department to mm-hmm. someone else who went off and created real estate to someone else who's now a creative director for a charter school. And the, 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 the main kind of idea like that, that, that kind of centerpiece that all connected to us was the idea of story, that we knew mm-hmm. how to tell stories and that we could translate these stories in any industry, in any world and be successful. Mm-hmm. So I guess going back to your question, because I also do have, have two children too, that I that I uh, think about that, like, okay, I hope that they're not seeing like, you know, this as a struggle, but in in kind of try to put on their little shoes but my, my son is 8 my daughter is 5 is that is just offering the most rich offering them the most rich life that they possibly can have because mm. even though i at times went back i was like oh god it seems so hard my parents like gave me such a rich life mm. like you know um so yeah
0: yeah and so maybe it was the media consuming consuming growing up or your friends' stories about a relationship to creativity that maybe soaked to that in, yeah yeah the, the
1: how I yeah, just all that to say is that yeah I think it I think for a long time I there wasn't a box that I could check for myself, like it wasn't till maybe a year ago that I even uh found. Uh, the profession of coaching, even though I've been like coaching for many, many years. But I didn't know that that was really a, a profession, especially growing up. Um, so I think t- to just the way that you summarized it is that the the media, friends, society uh, didn't really, I didn't have a box. Yeah. And, and I didn't know that living outside of the box was was okay.
0: Hmm. I I know that I, I relate to that. And I think my way of coping with that was to code switch or try to make myself look like I fit into other people's boxes. Like as a lot of the energy I expended, especially as a kid.
1: So, you know, I, first of all, I gasp because the, the TV show that, that, uh, me and the, the woman who pitched it is called code switch.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful word right now to it's think a, about, isn't it? It's such a beautiful word
1: or word, word. And in fact, most of my work is, uh, based on that premise. I call it being an urban chameleon. Mm. And yes. so this idea of Chameleoning into different worlds is something that I spent, uh yeah, a lot of my life, you know, like just like you said, doing.
0: Yeah, that's really cool, and I want to come back to that. But I'm imagining that having that as a skill and living in these different worlds has probably helped you tell really rich stories at this point. Yeah, because <laughs> you yeah. understand a lot of different people, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and as a writer, as a creator, it's really important to be empathetic uh, mm. to a lot of different type of people. Uh, I often tell people in the course that I uh, teach 30 Days to Write Your TV Script Challenge where you have to make sure that you are not judging your characters <laughs> mm.
0: uh,
1: because, you know, your characters need to be empathetic. That's the whole, you're translating for an audience Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Mm. and answering questions about maybe why they are (laughs) somebody we judge right yeah Yeah. so tell me more about this this show code switch and and this aspect of your life this kind of filmmaking world yeah world
1: so I've been uh, working in film and television for uh, probably just about all of my life. As I mentioned, I started in independent um, independent films, helping my mom on set, whether it was capture sound or just sleeping on the floor is she uh, <laughs> animated uh, projects. And so it's, it's always been with me. And then, <clears throat> uh, let's see, about in 2007, I started my production company called Tickles.tv, Mm-hmm. And the tagline was uh, entertainment for the urban chameleon and this notion of capturing people who uh, chameleon between, I don't know, shopping at like Target to Gucci to eating fried chicken to sushi to listening to Yo-Yo Ma to Jay-Z um, and everything in between. And mm-hmm. so I would uh, often... Uh, capture short comedic videos with with friends about these moments and There was a woman who, uh, Dahili Hall, who we just vibed. We just, we met in Miami at the American Black Film Festival and we discovered that we both lived in Los Los Angeles. We were both working um, in the studio system as assistants and then would start creating kind of on the weekends and and, uh, after work. And we just really created this synergistic, uh, we just had really sy- synergistic sensibilities, mm. and so years later, she called me to work on a project, and we started collaborating all over again, and. and- Kind of almost like picked up where we left off, mm. and then ended up selling this project that opened up the doors to um, a lot of opportunities. And next thing you know, we were being asked, "Okay, so what next? What other ideas that you have?" And I had recently just got out of this tech incubator program that was one of the first for Black and Latino women, mm. helping them in the world of technology. And I was really fascinated that. Uh, I was surrounded by these women of color who were starting technology businesses, which weren't necessarily, the two weren't necessarily associated. And women of color um, were ne- were purposefully being left out of the innovation economy and not getting funding and all of those things. And so mm-hmm. I was fascinated about the kind of collaboration of these two worlds. And so I was like, hey, pitch this idea about um, starting uh, technology companies in atlanta with these women and and then we ended up selling that to bet and now currently writing the pilot for it and so we sold Fantastic. it off. Yeah. yeah yeah thank you and so we sold it off the title code switch now the title might change but that was the premise
0: it's got it thinking about it now it's got a nice little double meaning to it and there's probably other meanings you've layered in but exactly. i i get it you know code software no,
1: exactly. exactly
0: code and color you know exactly. perfect
1: exactly
0: i i'd be shocked if they changed the title it's great yeah and very timely
1: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah so collaboration um is a skill <laughs> I know. Oh my god! right and so you're like oh my god what does that word <laughs> bring up for you
1: it, it really is. A, I, I love how you put it because it really, really is a skill. Um, the funny thing is I, I, by nature, love to collaborate. In fact, I got like some numerology done several mm-hmm. years ago, and it said you will always do better if you collaborate. So mm-hmm. I kind of, I think, uh, felt that always in my being. However, it's always easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And so, like any uh, collaboration, I think the most important thing that you have to keep in mind is, do you share the same moral compass
0: with with
1: this person?
0: That's a hard Um, thing to assess quickly.
1: Yes, it really, it it takes time. It really takes time. Um, But however, I will say that people tell you exactly who they are. It's just that we choose whether... Mm -hmm. we listen or not and you know clues are are dropped and I think that in collaboration you have to be constantly uh listening to yourself as well as listening to to the other person or people and it's a it's a constant give and take and I think that a lot of artists um make the mistake sometimes in like throwing out everything in attempt to get everything. And what I mean by that is there's been many partnerships that I've uh, witnessed and also been a part of where there, I'm trying to see how the best way way to put this, where before you've gotten the grand prize, people are bickering over the little stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have to, it's it's like a marriage, right? Like, are you going to get divorced because the person drank the last of the orange juice? Maybe, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying that if you just kind of think about it in terms of like, you know, can you get past the small fights to um you know continue down you know a path now of course not everybody's meant to continue down the path with but if if you are it's it's kind of the little things that you sometimes have to uh let go of if they do not cross your moral compass mm. does that make that, sense
0: that makes so much sense and I learned that via being in in the Nashville Songwriters Association and doing that whole co-writing thing for a few years. And that is such an energy drain, if that's the energy. Oh, my goodness. And I imagine that's why people, um, so you're probably somebody who gets approached a lot, or maybe you might have that experience where people are like, oh, you've got something going on, so I want to write with you but I've Mm. never done anything. Right. Mm. And I imagine what makes that not work is that lack of shared understanding about (gasps) that perspective. Right.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Ethan preach, preach. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, I love that you're bringing up these points because, um, I've, I've experienced them. So they really, really do hit home. And you're absolutely right. That's, the, and, the, and in some ways, that's part of the moral compass, right? Uh, an appreciation and an understanding for where everybody's at. And so, yeah, it's it's definitely not fair to the um, the person with a certain level of experience to be asked or, um, to, to collaborate if you are not bringing something of equal weight, right. Um, so not, not to say anyone's, you know, higher or lower or, you know, anything like that. Uh, but, but it, it has to be a match, right? It, it just like a, a, a relationship that people need to understand what they're entering into. So mm-hmm. if, for example, if, if one person is carrying the load and paying the bills with the understanding that, you know, the other person's going to stay home, take care of the house, take care of the kids, you know, then that's an understanding mm-hmm. that works with those people's moral compass. But if that's not the understanding, then it, it really sets up for, for disaster, yeah. um, yeah,
0: it sounds like it's like culture, right? And there's a culture around creative business as opposed to just creative play. And uh, and I've noticed that people absorb that culture by going to conferences and networking. And there will be sometimes panels and things where like, people actually are calling out and naming these things that, right, like kind of guiding your taste about how you work almost. Like, yeah. Like, don't worry about the grand practice, right? you know, or <laughs> my favorite is, you know, um, 100% of nothing, right? You know, that idea.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I'd rather have 50% of something or 5% of something than 100% of nothing.
1: Right, right, right. right. Exactly, exactly. Um, I was just going to say something to that. Oh, you mentioned the creative play. Mm. So, in this notion of of collaboration that's a that's another thing actually, where there's the business part of it, so at a certain point that you are not just um or let me not say at a certain point, I will say that the expectation of where a project is going to go and the the people who are onto that project are trying to go has to be factored into the conversation and mm-hmm. the collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it goes back to this notion of, of expectation. If we're just here to jam, right, just to play, that's one thing. But if we're here to jam, play, and then take this out into the world and get something made, that's a whole other part, right? Yeah. So there's the creative the creative synergy that you have to kind of work out. And then you have to work out the business synergy. There has, you know, so th- there's definitely been people who like, had, I've had great, fantastic creative synergy with, but when it came to the business part of it, we weren't a match.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you don't have to be specific, but is there, like, a pattern to that?
1: What do you mean, pattern to that?
0: I mean, I'm trying to not have you be specific about, like, <laughs> when that doesn't Oh, and you're right, up. call
1: somebody out. Like, let me tell you. It yeah, was just let's, get,
0: let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it. It was a it. real dirt bag.
1: Let's get, get a real into it. I mean, we, here's what I'll say. And, and, of course, I'm keeping in mind um, not to, to offend, right. The, the other, the other person, because I do believe that, that everybody has their perspective and you can say that it's right or wrong, but at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, it's just their perspective and you have your perspective and it's just, uh, sometimes, you know, not on the same page, Mm -hmm. but to be um, I guess to, to try and be more specific, what I mean, is, is that uh, like pe- people just approach business just like creativ- creativity, very different. And like, you know, one person can think that, hey, you know, you need to, we need to make this project on our own and then try to sell it. Another mm-hmm. person can think, hey, we need to take this idea right to the studio um, and give up, you know, rights, you know. So it's, it, it's, it, I will just say that you, you need to have those kind of conversations before mm-hmm. you you get into deep um, with with. Uh, anybody, yeah. but at the same time, sometimes you don't know what's to come until you're there, which yeah. is why I always bring it back to the moral compass, because if at the end of the day, you all can respect each other, then that's the, that's the more important thing. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, it just seems like a journey to understand that regardless of what we say, I would right. imagine.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, I just bring all this up because people listening, there are a range of aspiring storytellers to mid-career storytellers. And, you know, sometimes there's some little aha that's going to unlock somebody or make this whole creating thing more fun Yeah. by, by not stepping in these landmines. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you, you wear all these different hats. And so that probably helps you understand the context of what you create as well. Right. Like how that fits in when we're talking about making your writing work for you. Mm-hmm. And so like, how have your perspectives shifted? Like wearing these other hats.
1: So I, I, I do tend to create with uh, those different hats in in mind. Like, I tend to write uh, scripts thinking about the actors, thinking about the uh, direction, thinking about the scenery, um, thinking about the chemistry, mm-hmm. um, because, of course, you, because my training and background is in, in, is in all of these things. And I just tend to uh, just naturally think from this multifaceted perspective uh, layer and I don't know that it's really changed uh, Ethan I think that if anything it's probably strengthened over time in terms of becoming more sensitive to it mm-hmm. um, f- from just from just experience from navigating from interacting with people um, and uh, the more the more experiences that I tend to have the more sensitive uh, mm-hmm. to experiences and engagements that I tend to you know,
0: tend to be. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so last year, you, you you were doing some very different work. I would imagine being a senior producer with uh, TV One. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, I guess first question is why, and like, and what did you? What have you learned from that?
1: Ooh, wow! So <laughs> that was uh, that was really an unbelievable opportunity that I was very excited to get at the time, and what I mean by that is that for let's see. Several years prior, I was working just as an as an independent producer, mm-hmm. and that's of course it's just a different grind, right? It's a different lane. It's a different it's a different thing. And then all of a sudden, um, you go back into uh, the studio system, if you will, mm-hmm. and it it is a lot of a lot of moving pieces. So. I essentially was responsible for opening up the Atlanta production offices and, and overseeing the pop cultural, uh, the pop culture unit, and that required getting several videos shot, edited, you know, and up for weekly viewing, um, mm-hmm. and hiring the team, and of course coordinating with with upper management, and I. Really, really enjoyed the enjoyed my time there. Uh, up into an extent, I'll talk to, talk to you about that extent in a in a bit. Mm-hmm. But it 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 really um, served my natural ability to. Uh, multi-think and multi-task on an every day. I mean, like literally going from overseeing scripts, casting actors, script changes, setting up lighting, tweaking lighting, overseeing, you know, post-production, coming up with new content, and then translating the information Mm. um, and running numbers. So that this ability to, to, to juggle those things is just kind of a, a natural excitement, um, for mm. my spirit. Right.
0: Mm. Mm. But I like how you say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and then at the, and then it just eventually just, uh, ran its course where I knew that I was being called to do something different. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, and people of course shift, And, you know, energy and vibe shifts. And so at the time that I knew it was time to to go on to something else, it was weird because I had this like torn feeling of like, oh my God, but it's so um, safe, right, in the sense Mm -hmm. of like, you know, where the money is coming, you know, every, every, you know, other week and all of that. And you got the benefits and everything, but then your, your soul and your spirit is being called to, to do your, as I like to say, destiny work. And that goes back to being fearless.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this sounds like a recent shift for you. And I want to hear, I want to hear about that. So it sounds like you're honing in. Or have honed in on on the, these ideas of purpose and, mm-hmm. and and alignment, and so what does that look like for you, or what does that look like for you?
1: So it's it's as right after I left that position, I I started seeing this coach. Funny enough, and mm. that came as a result of being invited. Uh, one of seven women into the uh, HBO IFP Black House um, Fellowship, and it was a year-long fellowship where we interacted with HBO and got nurtured and uh, got some, you know, stipend money to develop our work as well as resources in terms of uh, moving along. And this was for mid-level. Uh, career producers, women of color. And one of the resources they gave us was a coach. And it was my first time interacting, experiencing a coach. I didn't know what to expect or anything. And she had us uh, take this uh, test that where you basically answer kind of, you know, these philosophical questions that I guess, depending on how you answer it, it runs this report of your energy levels. Mm-hmm. And then she proceeds to have this first session with you. And she's a wonderful woman. And our first session, she says, "Well, you could be a coach if you wanted to be," and I didn't really think much of that because I'm like, "Oh no, I can't be coaching anyone. I'm I'm like working on my own thing." Even <laughs> though, like I said, I've been coaching people like unofficially uh, for years. Um, so, throughout this kind of eight-week uh, session with her it really helps you to hone on your vision plan and, and what it is that you really, really want. And so during that time I really identified that I want to create consistently and help other people create and tell stories consistently. Mm-hmm. And that led to the rich idea. And I had no idea that <laughs> I had no idea with the rich idea <laughs> that mm-hmm. it would lead it would lead to a platform of of uh, like it does in terms of, uh, creating an online course and taking writers through it and, you know, explaining the fundamentals of, of writing a script and, um, creating private workshops and then now creating, uh, official relationships with networks and studios to help mm. writers work like it, but, but it's, it's, it's the work that most excites me. Yeah. So it's
0: the work that most excites you. Yeah. I, I love that. Well, congratulations. First yeah. of all, Thank like, you. like that's not just handed to you on a platter of the job, you know, of like <laughs> vocation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so I, I think your initial question was about that purpose
0: and
1: yeah. yeah and, and tapping, tapping into that. And so I, I, it was connecting the talents with um, you know continuing to nurture my desires while helping other people be their best find their best as a storyteller because i believe that stories and writing scripts is not just about actually getting words down on the page but that you yourself are experiencing a transformation
0: Tell me more about that.
1: So I th- I think about my own uh, experience and my, like the program, 30 Days to Write Your TV Script challenge that I created was, was had to be something more about just helping writers to get words out on, on the page. I had to go back a little bit further, like, okay, why is it so hard for writers to do that? And think back to why it was so hard for me <laughs> for a long time mm-hmm. um, to do that and claim that. And so, like, like I mentioned earlier, that I had this stigma about writing. I had fears about writing, um, fears that I wasn't really confronting. And all of those fears and things that, that I was afraid of confronting were just kind of my own uh, stuff, my own blocks, my own limiting beliefs mm-hmm. about what I could and could not accomplish. And so it creating this this course made me kind of sit down and reflect on all the hurdles and the uh like I like to call false delays and I call them false delays because I don't think that I think that timing is perfect I know you know many people say regret so I should have done this you know earlier or I'm too old and I don't I don't believe in any of that so but there are false hurdles because we 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 are stumped by these things um that just take us the time that it takes us in order to get over those things so it was really about deep diving into that and helping writers to uncover and confront their own fears so that they can move forward and the the writing challenge was about that
0: yeah like actually doing it yeah it's kind of a call out right like (laughs) 30 days to to do it that means boy, am I ready to do it? Am I really willing to do it?
1: Exactly.
0: Am I not good enough? All the things, all of
1: the things. And then I'm going to
0: write a bad script. I'm going to have paid for it. Right. That's
1: that's right. And that's why, that's why I call the the script in the 30 days, your ugly baby draft, (laughs) you know, because, yeah, because that's another thing that, that, that we're tackling is this notion of perfectionism, which is really just fear. It's another word for fear. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you can get over that, you're not going to write a perfect script in your first draft, whether you have 30 days or 90 days or 365 days to do it, you're not going to write a perfect script your first time around. Mm-hmm. So let's let go of that. Um, so yeah, just, just everything like what you're saying is, is, is what I had to get into.
0: Yeah. That, that makes a ton of sense. And what, what do you think the, well, you, you will have observed this by now. What, what is the biggest hurdle that keeps people from saying yes to signing up for your course or what is the biggest one they have to clear before they do say yes?
1: So I I think it's some level of belief. And that belief can be whether it's in themselves, whether it's, um, but they might be translating it to me. Can this woman actually really help me? But all of that is just an example of the same kind of belief because it doesn't really have anything to do with me. It just has to do with the person in terms of, can you, do you actually believe that this is something that you can accomplish? And as much as me or your mama or anybody tells you, yes, you can do it. You can do it. At the end of the day, you have to be the one to believe that you can yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes you have to make a leap of faith, because that's like almost a chicken and egg problem because to believe <laughs> you have to do do something to prove it, to yourself first. right?
1: Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so true. It's, it's so true. It's like, um, you know, it's, it's how they say the law of attraction works, right? In order for it to actually appear, you have to actually believe it first. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And so it sounds like your, your course is like, that, that chance to make that leap of faith. And I always contextualize it now. Like I'm, a middle-aged, right. And can roll my eyes and laugh at, at not having paid for help when I was younger, <laughs> because, because <laughs> like how much money did I spend learning or doing things that I didn't even want to do in the first place?
1: I know. And
0: like or I buy a car and I am and done with it. And like, <laughs> seven years and for the price of my car I could have done this thing and that thing and that thing and it my car doesn't make me successful right (laughs) right (laughs) car's not gonna not gonna launch my my career so if my car lasts seven years and I pay you know 20 30 40 50 grand for it yeah if I spend 20 40 50 grand on my investing in myself for seven years I'm probably somewhere that my car can't take me.
1: That's exactly right. And so poetic, Ethan. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably somewhere where my car couldn't take me. Yes.
0: <laughs> and I'm not suggesting that you're, what you're doing is, is, is priced at the level of a car. It's just that mindset shift, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm like, damn it. I'm worth this, right? Like. I-
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It, it's so, it's so, so true. I, I had to let go of that. Like, I was just on the phone with my accountant, and it was just like, look, it's like, oh my God, how much did you spend on coaching and things? And I was just like, uh, talk to me in five years, okay?
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> this is the beginning, not the end. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's like, I'm not asking anyone to do anything that I have not done for myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. So yeah, you, you're, there is a mindset shift that just has to shift if you want to go where you want to go. And okay. the reality is you need people to get you there. And people often, um, let old baggage ruin new luggage. Mm. And, you know, it's like, oh, I tried something like that before, and it didn't work. And I think what people have to recognize is that life is a a process. And, I mean, I can't tell you. I've paid for something, (laughs) courses, and have been, like, literally immediately after I bought it, like, oh, I don't don't know. Why did I do that?
0: Or now I have to make time to do it.
1: Now I have to make time to actually do it. Yeah. And, and, um, and then, you know, there's been things where I'm like, oh, this, what this, this wasn't what I thought, but just got actually one thing out of it that shifted my whole thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, um, I, I do think it's, it's a mind shift and you don't, you you just, you just have to say I'm, I'm worth it. I mean, I'm on, and I'm on a journey.
0: And I think that's probably worth more than any accolades or milestones in the career that yeah. that it's important so shift this a little bit um, a lot so you do a lot of stuff yeah and none of this work happens in a vacuum like there's no single project that happens in a vacuum and there's all these processes going on, including life and having kids right um so in 2020, in the midst of COVID and life anyways, um, like how do you find balance? Like what is balance for you? And like, how do you, like, how do you think about your workload and, and like, how do you make that work for you juggling? I imagine you're juggling a lot of balls in the air.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, had decided in 2020 that I was going to start every day honoring myself, which means Mm. getting up and just taking a few minutes to write and, uh, just kind of recognize, appreciate the things that have, uh, cultivated, manifested, however way you want to put it. And that often centers me to then, acknowledge what the most important things are to do for that day and i try not to make it more than four and and some people probably would tell you that that's actually too much but I try to get laser focused on what's the most important thing, because I know if I don't go into the day with like that kind of a game plan, I'm spinning. And then I'm like regretting that I didn't do this and do that and all of that. Mm. Uh, So in terms of my work, that's how I approach my um, work. And then i you know i have two kids and so they uh, they of course naturally demand attention and, and playfulness and so when it's time to be with them i'm with them and uh you know and the same thing with my husband Um, and now sometimes I'm moving through some of those things like our overlap where there's like an email to send, uh, my daughter's asking me to do a yoga challenge, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) My husband's asking me what we're doing for dinner and a friend calls. Uh, and sometimes all of those things are literally happening at the same time. But like I mentioned, I love, you know, I, I do thrive in a multitasking kind of universe. So, I, I just, I think I'm moving with balance in moment to moment, mm. um, for, for, for me that if things begin to feel, uh, too stressful in a moment, it's like time to let out the air a bit. Um, and sometimes I just kind of wait to move with inspiration. I stop I stop trying to feel guilty if I just need to like chill on the couch for a couple of days.
0: Hmm. And how does, how do you make that work for you? Like, how do you make that shift mindset shift to, I don't have to feel guilty about this.
1: So I, I think f- taking the time in the mornings and by the way, in the evenings to um, come back to myself allows me to listen to my intuition and trust my intuition more. And, and, Keep in mind i 'm no like yogi like this is this is a constant practice, right? This is like a constant thing yeah. um, that i 'm you know working on, but I will say that I remember the time when i wasn 't really listening to my intuition and I felt like I was spinning and I felt like I was just working and working and not feeling quote unquote progress mm-hmm. and now. It's funny that in actually taking more time to kind of chill and listen, I feel like I have more time. And so to answer your question in terms of um, you asked about the balance or not feeling feeling guilty, it, it just goes back to listening to the intuition, Um which we all have intuition. We all have, we're all born with that. We're all born with instincts. And it's funny because kids really move on their intuition and instincts, right? As soon as they have a thought, they're like, boom, I'm doing it. I'm in it, whatnot. And then when we get older, we're like, uh, I don't know. I should be working. Oh no. Like, you know, all of these kind of social quote unquote things kick in. And we, we lose touch with that. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah. So, I and, and do
0: you back. feel, do you feel like, like it's possible to do your best work when you're in that feeling of spinning and overload? I,
1: I really, I don't. I, in fact, I now make it a point. If I feel overloaded and I feel really tired, I just like sit down and because I know that I'm about to make a mistake.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. and so is that like a pause then like a little time out
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: that's yeah. great like i mean, in in some way this is the gold right i mean <laughs> the gold medal in and i think probably having a sustainable career that's also joyful and doesn't kill you right
1: Hmm. absolutely
0: Like we're socialized to run our, like continually run on an empty battery. Yes. Which is weird.
1: It's so, it's so weird. And we just keep, keep going. And, um, I uh yeah, I I I think at a certain point I just got tired of feeling that feeling because there mm. wasn't enough reward from that feeling. So yeah. I just kind of say say to myself, Well, that didn't work, so I don't want to go back to that.
0: hmm Yeah. Well, I feel like we're pretty like in sync and some like on a lot of things. I could talk with you for a long time and maybe we'll talk again. But for people who well, hopefully we'll talk again, but for people who want to learn more about you, uh, how can they do so?
1: Yeah. Please come visit therichidea.com and mm-hmm. you will meet Aj, the H is silent. Pronounce it and I might get violent. No, I'm just playing. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I messed it up before it hit record. So I'm still alive. <laughs> and you're on Instagram and all that stuff too yeah Yeah. well that's great and hey I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with uh, Code Switch and and all the other fun stuff that's going to come from living your best life right
1: now thank you Ethan this has been great I really appreciate you having me on your show
0: yeah my pleasure I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast.